Well, I hope it's been a good Easter start for you. Uh, I wonder how many people have actually had chocolate into their mouth already this morning. Certainly four out of the far five people in our family have. I won't tell you who the one who isn't. Um, but it, it is, this morning is a great joy. Easter Sunday is a great joy. Every day as a Christian uh, should have something of joy in it. Every day as a Christian will also have many days of tears as well. And so as Christians, we're people who hold those things together. We hold together tears and we hold together joy at the same time. And the outworking of that is sometimes difficult to explain. And yet it is true that this life is full of mess and full of pain and full of sorrow. And yet we have a sure and certain hope in the resurrection of Jesus. And this morning, we're going to be considering Psalm 16. And you might think it's strange to look at a psalm. That's Old Testament. Shouldn't we look at the New Testament? Well, this psalm, King, uh, the Apostle Peter tells us, is actually a psalm of Jesus. It's the words of Jesus. Now, very often we think of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, telling us about the life of Jesus. They're the fourth Gospels. Well, sometimes the psalms are spoken of as the fifth Gospel. Because they tell us about Jesus' life from the inside, his emotional life, how he felt as he lived on earth. Listen to what uh, the Apostle Peter says uh, about Psalm 16. He says this, Seeing what was to come, King David spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that the Messiah was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did the Messiah's body See decay. In other words, this psalm is all about the Lord Jesus Christ. So King David wrote it, but it was ultimately about Jesus' experience of life on earth and his uh, resurrection life. So this psalm is not just about Jesus in the third person. We're not just talking about Jesus, him over there. It's a bit like Jesus saying, This psalm is about me in the first person. This is what happens to me. He is saying. So, with that in mind, let me read Psalm 16. Psalm 16, a miktam of David. Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, You are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad, and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure, for you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Well, it's a wonderfully happy psalm, full of delight, full of security, full of pleasure, full of joy. And it's a song of Jesus. But 
because it's in the songbook of the Bible, it can be our song as well. They're, these psalms are meant for us to sing. We were, in fact, just singing a psalm earlier on, and no doubt in another service we'll sing Psalm 16. There is so much good news in it. If this song, if this psalm had a title, I think it'd be called something like this, Resurrection Happiness. That would be what you'd see in the charts. Resurrection Happiness, that's what we're playing. And uh, this morning, my aim is not that we just believe in the resurrection. I take it that most of us believe in the bodily resurrection of Christ. But I want us to do more than believe in the resurrection. I want us to, figuratively speaking, be singing about the resurrection. I want it to be stirring our hearts. That's my aim. You can be the judge uh, whether or not uh, I achieve that. We want the resurrection not to be something we think about, but something that we love in our hearts. And after all, who doesn't want to be happy? Not just a trivial smile, but a happiness that gives us a new perspective on every event in life, even the most hard most painful circumstances. Who doesn't want uh, a joy? Most pleasures run out, don't they? Our Easter eggs, uh, they will run out. Only You can only eat so many. I know that will be put to the challenge the next few days. Our holidays, many of us taking holidays, but they will end. Uh, Netflix series, there are only so many episodes. And even in a day, there's only, many, only so many hours of Netflix you can watch without feeling slightly zombified. Our clothes lose their shape, Uh, cars rust, phones break, but Jesus' resurrection never expires. Jesus' resurrection joy uh, never dims. It promises a maximum pleasure and unlimited prosperity. How do we know that? Because Jesus himself tells us. He tells us that even in the face of of the hardest circumstances. So it's a song that Jesus sings, but it's for us to sing as well. And it's all about what the resurrection is and what it can give us. So I'm going to break it down into three parts this morning and to see why the resurrection is such good news. And firstly, I want us to see this, that because of the resurrection, Christians can have great security. Great security, that's what's offered here. So look at the first line. Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. Preserve me, God, or in the NIV, another version, it says, keep me safe, God. Keep me safe, preserve me. Why? Because life isn't safe. Life is difficult. Life is full of challenges. Jesus knew that. King David knew that. And of course we we know that. It's hard to go through a day without thinking about danger in one way, shape or form. Children, I wonder what you're afraid of. Is it injections? That's what my children are afraid of, injections. Uh, Maybe you're afraid of other children at school. Maybe you're afraid of the dark. Maybe you're afraid of having to do things in front of other people. can terrify us, can't can't it? There is loads to be afraid of. Adults, what are you afraid of? Everyone's afraid of something. Maybe you're afraid of something in the home. Maybe you're afraid of something out of the home. You just don't like leaving home at all. Maybe you are terrified by a current circumstance. Or maybe you're terrified of a hypothetical circumstance that may or may not come true. But the possibility of it coming true fills you with terror, gives you sleepless nights. Maybe it's physical insecurity. Maybe it's emotional insecurity. We're all afraid of something. And Jesus himself had plenty to be afraid of. 
He didn't have a house. He didn't have a mortgage. He didn't have security. He didn't even have a job. He relied on other people to support him day after day. Wherever he went, people wanted to kill him. He had enemies and he couldn't even rely on his best friends. Even in his time of need, his best friends, when he really needed them, they left him. But Jesus didn't panic. He came to the Lord. Verse 1, preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. Jesus completely entrusted himself to God for security. And he did this because he knew that in the end, all good things come from God. God is the source of all good things. And that's what he says uh, a few verses down. He says, I have no good apart from you, verse 2. No good apart from you. Now, of course, there are some things that could be said that were good, that weren't themselves God. So uh, friendship is a good thing. But even friendship is from God. Food is a good thing. Food is not God, but even food comes from God. They all come from God. See, everything we have, friends, family, uh, toys, a duvet, all these things come from God. James says, the Apostle James says, every good gift, every good and perfect gift is from above. But even then, the giver is greater than the gift. That's what we remember every Christmas, every birthday, don't we? We have wonderful gifts. But in the end, we sometimes have to remind ourselves of this, but in the end, we'd rather the giver of the gifts than the gifts themselves. The gifts come and go, but it's the people who give us those things that we really enjoy. And that's the perspective of the scriptures on God. He is the giver of all good things, but in the end, he is the good giver. And in the end, therefore, he is our inheritance. He is the one whom we delight in. And because we're totally secure in this God, because Jesus was totally secure in his God, who is our God, he loved all the things that were given to him by God. And so he made the things he was given by God his delight. And that's what he says in verse 3. As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. Have you ever wondered how Jesus feels about you? I imagine you have when you've done something you knew you shouldn't. You think, oh, he probably doesn't love me. Or he doesn't, maybe he loves me, but he doesn't like me. Have you ever wondered that? Verse 3 is a great memory verse. This is Jesus' words about his people. As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. What is the overriding emotion of the Lord Jesus Christ? When he considers you, it's delight. Delight. It's a wonderful promise. We make Jesus happy. So Jesus finds his total security in God. And he delights in all the things that God gives him. And ultimately, Jesus delights in the one who gives at resurrection. We're going to see that later on. And in case we are tempted to look elsewhere uh, for security. Uh, there is a warning, verse 4. Look at verse 4. The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. Jesus says, I won't go after other gods because in the end I know where they lead. Now we all know that experience for ourselves, don't we? When we're looking for security, when we're looking for safety, we're tempted to take refuge 
in other things, aren't we? We're, tend to go, we're tempted to go to other places. You might think, oh, I'm very anxious. Where can I take security? Another beer, another glass of wine. That is what will uh, stop me uh, from being anxious. That's what will give me security. And we might think, oh, when I'm anxious, I just need a distraction. I know, a tempting website. That will distract me. That will keep me secure. I know where I'll go to, to another person, maybe an inappropriate kiss with someone else. That will give me some escapism. That will keep me secure. But we know from our experiences, don't we, that those things come and go and they make our situations even worse. And Jesus says, no, 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 don't go elsewhere for security. Don't go elsewhere. Why not? Because the sorrows of those who run after another God will multiply. In times of insecurity, danger and fear, going anywhere else apart from God will only lead to greater problems, only make things worse. We know that from our experience, don't we? Going elsewhere apart from God normally ends up in trouble. But we don't just need to know it from our experience. It's the Lord Jesus himself says, no, 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 don't go elsewhere. Don't go elsewhere. Hear it from the mouth of the Lord. The mouth of the Lord, the sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. Anything else leads to misery. Take refuge in the Lord. So the first implication of the resurrection is this. Because of the resurrection, Christians can have great security. And the physical bodily resurrection of Jesus reminds us that in the end, everything is going to be okay. So take refuge in God, the one who gives resurrection. Here's the second implication of the resurrection. We'll look at sort of verses five to eight now. Because of the resurrection, Christians can have great contentment. So we see we can trust the Lord for safety and security, but now also we're going to see how we can have contentment. And I don't think they're completely abstract different things. When we know in the end we're ultimately going to be safe and secure, we can have contentment even in our challenging circumstances. You see, in verse five and six, Uh, Jesus recognises that his circumstances are from God and he wants us to recognise that as well. He says, the Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. So these lines are saying both uh, that, that our inheritance is both from the Lord and is the Lord himself. God is our inheritance. He is our great reward and all our good things are from him. So holding those two ideas together, and it's a great thing to, thing to recognise. All things are from God, both good and bad. Uh, God himself is the main benefit of the gospel, and therefore that means that even in the hardest circumstances, we can recognise that we can have hope. We can have contentment because all things are from him. And we see uh, people in the scriptures testify that themselves. So remember the words of Job, don't we? The man who lost everything. He lost everything. He lost uh, his wealth. He lost his health. He lost his family. And what does he say? Shall we receive good from God? And shall we not receive evil? And then the Apostle Paul, with greater revelation, says this, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. Uh, King David, who wrote this psalm originally, had very challenging circumstances, yet could say, in the end, I know this is from the Lord, and therefore I will be content. The Lord Jesus, who faced incredibly challenging circumstances, said, my lot is from God. And, and 
believer after believer after believer in the circum uh, believer after believer after believer in the scriptures say my circumstances are from God and therefore somehow I will be content. Uh, we've just been for a bit of a rough fortnight in our family. Uh, we've had uh, all three children uh, had 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 chickenpox. Pretty rough fortnight. Seeing the children in pain, not getting any sleep. And I'm glad it's over. I really am. But somehow in the midst of it, we should be able to say, well, this lot is from God, and therefore I will be content. Our circumstances are from him. Therefore, in the end, everything's going to be okay. Now, you might think, okay, chicken pox, okay, it's not pleasant. That is relatively trivial compared to some of the real challenges of life. And that's, that's exactly true. It is. But remember, this isn't my testimony. This is a testimony, firstly, of King David, who wrote this, whose friends abandoned him, who had people trying to take his life, people killing his friends. He says, you hold my lot, God. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. So to the Lord Jesus Christ sings this song, constantly facing opposition. He sings this song as well, despite the death threats. He sings the song, the Lord is my portion, my cup, you hold my lot secure. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. And there's another reason to be content too. Not only are all our circumstances from God, good and bad, he is with us in them. He not only gives us these circumstances, but he comes to us in them. And that's what verses 7 to 8 tell us about the forever faithful presence of God with his people. In verse 7, the Lord gives counsel. That means he speaks to us. The Holy Spirit has written 100% reliable words. Every word we need to know to guide us has been written in the book that you have in front of you. But more than that, the Holy Spirit, through these words, testifies in our hearts, gives us wisdom that God is with us and he will help us and guide us through the muck of life. It's really not to be sniffed at. That is a wonderful treasure to have. And again, listen to verse 8. I've set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. God is our friend. He is our companion. Before the Lord Jesus Christ uh, died, he was with his disciples in every circumstance. But he said, I'm going to go away. I'm going to go away. But then he made this amazing promise. He said this, I will not leave you. I will come to you. He was talking, of course, about the Holy Spirit, through whom Jesus, the risen Lord Jesus, the resurrected Lord Jesus, remains with us every day in every circumstance. And again, the Lord Jesus, having been raised with his disciples for 40 days, and then finally going to his father where he is today, and yet he says, even from heaven, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus is with us, the resurrected Jesus, who is alive, who is celebrating his resurrection from the dead. And today he is with us by his spirit, helping us through the most difficult of circumstances. So the Lord Jesus not only sang this song in his own incredibly difficult circumstances, he wants us to sing it too. He wants to be able to say amen to this psalm. And make, the word, make these words our words. He wants us to have peace, contentment, calmness, hope. Because in every circumstance, he is with us 
and will help us. He is the resurrection, resurrected Lord, and so he is with us today. In this room, he is with us. He's with us as we go home. He's with us in the coming week as we face challenges, some that we know about, some that we won't know about. The risen Lord Jesus is with us. Listen to one man, how one man put it uh, 200 years ago. He was a missionary to uh, what we call modern-day Burma or Myanmar. He'd been tortured. He'd been put in prison. He was completely isolated from friends, from family. He had chains around his feet. His health was poor. But he understood, verse 8, because God is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. Because God is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. And this is what that, that verse meant to him. It is all one whether a Christian is in the city or a desert, among relations or among savage foes, in the heat of the Indies or in the ice of Greenland. His infinite friend is always at hand. He need not fear want or sickness or pain, for his best friend does all things well. He need not fear death, though it come in the most shocking form, for death is only the withdrawing of the veil which conceals his dearest friend. Because of the resurrection, a Christian can trust the Lord for their security, and because of the resurrection, a Christian can have contentment in every circumstance, because they know that all things are from God, And they know that in all their circumstances that God is with them. This does not mean that life does not have tears. Life has many tears. It's only as the Lord Jesus Christ returns, as we're given resurrected body, that every tear will be wiped away. But for now, it means whatever the circumstances, we can have contentment because of the resurrection of Christ. And here's a final benefit of the resurrection for us this morning. Because of the resurrection, a Christian can have great happiness well happiness really is a theme throughout the psalm Um, it comes up in verse three as uh, jesus talks about the holy ones in the land who is delight he delights in his people now he talks about a pleasant place in verse six verse seven he talks about praising god and blessing god but now he really ramps it up and this happiness he talks about is in part the experience of being with god now and in part the experience of being with god face to face Uh, in the future look at verse 9 sort of the crescendo everything therefore my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices he is happy with his whole being i wonder if you've ever seen someone who's been happy in their whole being i guess it's an invisible thing isn't it to be happy in your whole being because happiness is an emotion but i remember once seeing a little picture of this um it was actually when We told um, Harriet's grandmother that she was about to become a great-grandmother. She had no grandchildren, a great-grandchildren at that point. Um, But Harriet was pregnant with Phoebe, and we told her. And I almost want to do an impression of it, but I won't, because it'll be silly and and a bit disrespectful. But she basically was just full of pleasure and joy. She could barely contain herself. There was a sort of delight. It It was like she was about to explode. She was so happy. She had fullness of joy. For me, that was a picture of fullness of joy. And that really is the sort of joy that this psalm is trying to give us. Again, it does not wipe away every tear away now, but it does give us something to look forward to. It does give us something to delight in, full-body joy. 
We have security and we have contentment because of the resurrection. But it means now we can have joy as well. A joy to look forward to. Look at verse 10. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. True Christian happiness comes not because of easy circumstances now, but because of the future we are absolutely guaranteed and promised. And the guarantee has come not because of a piece of paper, but because Jesus himself has been raised from the dead. And that's what we're celebrating on Easter Sunday. We won't decay because Jesus didn't decay. We won't see bodily corruption because Jesus' body didn't see uh, bodily corruption. Now, of course, when you get older, you do start to decay. In fact, aging is the start of death in many ways. Less hair on the head, more hair out the nose, more hair out the ears, and gray hair. It's It's actually part of corruption. It's part of decay. Uh, people get older, apparently they start to snore. Just ask my wife. Um, It's part of decay. It's part of decay. Our skin, it goes wrinkly, and our muscles get flabbier. That is part of decay. It's actually part of corruption, bodily corruption. But at the same time, in the end, we won't decay. Our bodies won't see corruption. One day our bodies will be resurrected and they will be totally perfect. How do we know? Because it happened to Jesus. Now all of us don't like things about our bodies. That's partly just our vanity. We're very insecure. But the reality is that many of us actually do experience health challenges. Even if you're not past the sort of golden age of 20, 21, 22, even if that age, there are still things that are wrong with your body. We all have bodies that are not perfect. And yet one day our bodies will be raised to perfection. And we know that because Jesus' body was raised from the dead perfectly in glory. That's why in uh, 1 Corinthians 15, the Apostle Paul can talk about our bodies when they are buried, like being seeds that fall in the ground. I don't know if you're trying to uh, grow your lawn at the moment or grow any vegetables, you're putting seeds in the soil. That is a picture of our death. And this is what the Apostle Paul says. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It won't die. Our resurrection bodies will never die. What is sown is dishonor. Much about our bodies that uh, are not honorable. But our bodies will be raised in glory. What is sown is weakness. Don't we all feel weak? We just we struggle to get through a day sometimes, don't we? What is sown in weakness is raised in power. A glorious, powerful body to do what it was meant to do. Jesus' resurrection will be our resurrection and then we'll see him face to face. It won't just be a perfect body just to self-indulge with. It'll be a perfect body to enjoy the Lord Jesus Christ with as we see him face to face. That's what's promised on the day of our resurrection. Listen to the last chapter of the Bible, Revelation 22. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face. We will see God's face. We will see the face of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what the last verse 
of the psalm is getting at. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. In the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ, as we see him raised, we will see him face to face. There'll be fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. When I come back, if I've been working away um, for a day, I'll come back and I come back from dinner time. I'll open the door down at the corridor. There'll be the kitchen table. And very often, Olive, our youngest, is at the head of the table. That's another conversation. And she'll see me and she'll say, Daddy's home. She'll be the first one to see me. What does it give me? Joy. End of the day, face to face. That's just after a day. Now, Harry and I went away with the students last week. And that was away for three days. And when we saw our children again, there was much bigger joy than just daddy's home. There was real celebrating. I think this time because Harriet was been away as well, which was a much greater reason to celebrate. But three days, great celebration. The longest I've ever been away uh, from my family was uh, when I was in the Gambia. Unfortunately, one of the children broke their leg. So they had to stay in the UK for two months. And reunited after two months at the airport. Ah, oh, the joy of that day. It was wonderful. There was happiness. There was laughter. There were tears. Uh, reunion after time away of loved ones. Well, just imagine the joy that there will be after a lifetime of knowing our Savior. We can hear him speak. We can speak to him in prayer. A bit like I could when I was away from the children in the Gambia. I could still speak to them on the phone, but it was nothing like being with them face to face. And that is what we're promised in the resurrection. We will be raised and we'll see our saviour finally. The one who's with us now, who we hear speak, and yet he's not with us in body in the same way. He's by our right hand in the sense that he guides us and yet we don't see him, we long to see him. Well, that is what the resurrection promises us. One day we'll see Jesus face to face. What perfect joy. We'll see him in a perfect world. Well, there'll only be perfect happiness. There'll be no crying or pain or death or tears. That will all be gone. Jesus will fix that. And we'll all know perfect happiness. We'll know fullness of joy. And we know all this because of the first Easter Sunday 2,000 years ago. Just imagine how Mary must have felt when she realized that the gardener was not the garden. It was her saviour, it was her friend. We sang that song, uh, didn't we? How the Lord Jesus Christ, he calls Mary by name. She knows it's him because he knows her. Mary, what wonderful, what wonderful joy we will share on our resurrection day that is promised by the first resurrection day. We'll see the Lord Jesus face to face. We'll be with him forevermore. And we will know fullness of joy. Well, because of the resurrection, Christians can know security now as we look to him. We can know contentment in the most difficult of circumstances. And we can know a happiness because of a future certainty that's guaranteed by an event in the past. We know the future. It's a guaranteed happy ending. And so in the present, mindful of what Jesus has done in the past... Uh, we look to him. We keep walking by faith. And we, we go back to the first line of the psalm. We say, preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. Or the other version, keep me safe, my God, for you I take refuge. 
And if you're taking refuge in Christ, if you're taking refuge in the resurrection, you could not be safer. There is not a safer place to be. There's not a better hope to have. So this Sunday and for the coming week and for a lifetime ahead, let us, with everything we have, put all our lot in with the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and have the sure and certain hope that one day we'll see our Saviour face to face in perfect happiness forevermore. Let's pray. Father, the resurrection hope is remarkable. It is a bigger gift than we could ever be given. And it is way more than we deserve. Those who run after other gods will suffer more and more. Father, forgive us for when we've chased security, contentment and happiness in other things. And we pray that we would look to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and we pray that we would be able to sing for joy now in the sure and certain hope of the resurrection and we pray that resurrection hope would drip into our circumstances now to give us an underlying contentment a future hope and a joy that defies our circumstances And we ask this all for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.